Yo, 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 what's going on, people? How's everybody doing on this Monday evening? Today is Monday, May 18th, 2020. Time is 6.42 Eastern Time. I'm here in Philadelphia. Here with another episode of The Bridge. Get down with Big Ron Brown, King Kush, Big Kush, it's all the same. Uh, here to talk about things like I normally talk about it that affect our everyday lives, sports, music, politics, world events, national events, local events, things that's going on in our lives, things that's happening every day. So hopefully everybody had a good weekend. Hopefully your day is going pretty good. And I'm just going to jump right in some topics. Um, want to get my last words on the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. There are six NBA championships during the 90s. It was a great documentary. Learned a lot of things and things I already knew because I was born in 1983. So that team of that, when they started winning in 91, I was eight years old. So I was that's when I first started really getting into sports and following sports. So I was able to live. That was my childhood. That was I was able to see him go through some of those wars with the Pistons. And then when he finally overcame that and that team became dominant and then he became burnt out with the media and the fame and everything that he went through, of course, with the tragic death of his uh, murder of his father. Needed some time off. Didn't realize that when he went to baseball that he actually had some pretty good numbers while he was in baseball. Had a 13-14 game hitting streak when he first started, batted 202 average. So it wasn't like he went there and was a complete bum, but it just wasn't what he was born naturally born to do. And so, and because of the strike that season in 94, didn't have anything else going on, so beat him and B.J. Armstrong with the breakfast and got to talking and decided, hey, come to practice and start practicing more and more. Scotty started working on him, and next thing you know, he's back. No, no, <laughs> no hour long, no hour long um, media session or special. He just said, I'm back with a uh, simple fact statement. I'm back, and he came back and. Of course, they went to the playoffs, got knocked out by the Orlando Magic in 95 in the second round against a former teammate, Horace Grant. But then he got a full summer, got back in the gym, got him back in shape like he like he knew he could have and went on a three game dominance. And to me, that second run with the Bulls from 95 to 98, to me, he was a he was still athletic and a high flyer and jump all over and dunk all over people. But. To me, those were his best years, in my opinion, as a bull, because his all-around game was sharp. His all-around game, you didn't know if he was going to dunk on you. You didn't know if he was going to hit you with the fadeaway. His mid-range, mid, mid-range game was flawless. His technique, he was, he was um, fundamentally sound. Footwork, he was, he was, he, he had the, he put on the complete package. His second round with the Bulls and the fact that he did this at ages 32 through 35 when everybody thought he was old and washed up and it just came back and showed he was the most dominant force the NBA had ever seen at that time. So, like I always say, the man, other than the Olympics, the NBA finals is the highest level of basketball. That's it. There's no higher level in basketball than the NBA finals. And his teams went to six finals. Six times they were the champions. He was the finals MVP six times. So there's no denying that. To me, he is the greatest basketball player I've ever seen play the game. So it was a great documentary. I mean, 10-part series. So I'm definitely congratulations to him on that documentary, him putting himself out there like that. And (laughs) they were saying that Phil Jackson, 
that Jerry Reinsdorf may have offered Phil Jackson another year, but I guess the relationship between Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause had reached this had reached the um, top level. They I guess they felt like they couldn't coexist anymore. So he's like, I'm done, and he moved on, and then he took a year off, and then the next thing you know, he's a coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. So I would have liked to seen if they could have kept it together. Jordan said it was kind of maddening that he was not able to see that team stick together because I think they had at least another two or three years left in them together. Maybe they could have won a six, a seventh or eighth championship, but you never know. But, hey, six championships, been to the final six times, you're undefeated in those finals. So, hey, that was a great run. So, the Last Dance documentary, great piece of work, great piece of work by ESPN and everybody with the Jordan brand. So, um, I also saw that the WWE has started the Last Ride documentary, documenting the last three years of The Undertaker as he prepares for life outside of the, as he prepares for WrestleMania, because that's pretty much the last, the only time that he works pretty much of the year, because I mean, let's face it, Undertaker is 55 years old now, so, and the man is still wrestling. I mean, he doesn't look like he did 15, 20 years ago. But, I mean, the man can still put on the show at least once a year. And we all know WrestleMania is the biggest dance of the year. So, and they were just showing that when he lost to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 in 2000, I believe, 14, he had a concussion during the match and didn't even remember him. He didn't even remember finishing the match. And went to the hospital right immediately after the match. And he had, a, um after his match against Roman Reigns, I believe that was WrestleMania 33, he had to get his um other hip replaced because he had his other, his, he had to get his hip replaced because the other one had already, already been replaced. And the amount of surgeries that this man has had over his illustrious careers is amazing that... You can you name it, he's had surgery on it. And for him to still be able to, at 50-plus years old, still get up and down in the ring like he does, still technically sound, he's, he's, his career is phenomenal. So I, check, I, I, I think you should check it out. It's called The Last Ride Documentary. WWE won The Undertaker. So he's definitely in my top five of superstars. For a man that size, a man that big, to be able to do the things that he did and have a career that has lasted three decades. That is insane in the sport of wrestling. And I don't think anyone else will ever have a career to last as long as The Undertaker has. So the fact that you have <clears throat> two people in the 90s that I grew up watching in basketball and in wrestling with Michael Jordan and Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker, is just Two great documentaries, and I recommend anybody watch them. So just want to say um, my thoughts and prayers are also going out with everybody. As we all know, we're dealing with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, last time I checked, they said the U.S. death toll is now 82,000, could be over 100,000 by August. Um, Russia now has the second most coronaviruses behind the United States. And they were saying three Russian doctors at some hospital fell out of hospital windows. I don't know if this was an accident. I don't know if this was murder. I don't know if this was suicide. But with Putin and, of course, Kim Jong 
Little Kim, as I like to call him, and the uh, Korean North um, dictator, North Korea, those two countries, they keep such a tight lid on all the information over there. Sometimes you don't know if it's fabricated or not, or as some people like to say, fake news. But it says now Russia has the second most coronaviruses behind the U.S. So um, I saw here also that Los Angeles County has a stay home order for um, a stay home order until August. I think most cities, um, I have my brother, he lives in San Diego, him and his wife, and my grandfather lives in San Francisco. My, I have three other brothers, I have three brothers and a sister and other family members that live in Chicago and myself, I live in Philadelphia. So I think most larger cities, they're going to be in a stay home order probably throughout the summer. I don't see, it's gonna be some restrictions, like some people, Oh no, here in the East Coast where I'm at right now, they're lifting some restrictions. Like some people, they want to be able to go to the beach and out doing other things. It's yellow phases, red phases, and different things like that. So I'm just saying, please practice in social distancing. Please stay hydrated. Keep your hygiene up. Wash your hands. Keep your face mask on because as these restrictions start to get lifted, people are going to start to want to go out more, be around their families, be around their loved ones. And sad, sad to say, the cases are probably going to go up because people want to be around each other and hang out and party and feel like they're free and whatnot. So just want to say, just stay safe, stay hygiene, uh, keep your hygiene game up. Please wash your hands, keep your face mask on, wipe down areas that need to be wiped down, check your surroundings. Just please stay safe, everybody out there. Uh, it's also so we're saying one third of the U.S. deaths are coming from the nursing homes dealing with COVID-19 because it's such because of their age, the vulnerability there and being in confined areas. And it's just I know certain nursing homes in the Philadelphia area and New Jersey areas, their, their numbers are just crazy. So I just want to say my condolences um, to everyone that's affected, infected by this situation and hopefully. We can, they're, they're the, the scientists and the doctors and the brilliant people in this country in the medical field are working to get a vaccine and a cure for this. And hopefully, hopefully, by the grace of God, we will get this cure and vaccine soon. Also, I want to talk about two NFL players switching to sports. Two NFL players, DeAndre Baker and Quinn Dunbar, issued warrants for armed robbery in the Miami area because allegedly, from what I saw, they were at a card game. They went to a card game, lost a lot of money, I think sixty dollars or $70,000 in the card game. And I guess they were mad and frustrated and embarrassed about it. So they decide they want to go get some guns and come back and rob the people that got them for their money. And it's just, <laughs> first of all, you you're making millions of dollars. You're in the NFL. You worked hard all your life to get to the National Football League. You're in the league. Something you've been dreaming about and wishing for and hoping for and blood, sweat and tears for. And you're in the league and you lose money in a card game. So instead of you chalking it up and just like, you know what? It is what it is. We lost the money. We're making millions of dollars. 70 grand. We can we will be OK. You want to decide to be a gangster and be tough and be a, and be hard and be and, and be macho and decide to drive back to the place where you lost the money. And apparently one was in a Lamborghini and one was in a Mercedes or a Jaguar. No mask with guns. And you want to stick the place up. 
That is beyond stupid. You you you're embarrassed and you're mad because you lost the money, and then you become you 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 want to be this you want to be this tough guy like you on a, like you think it's a music video or something, and you want to go rob the people that got you for your seventy grand because you lost in the card game. Now because of a stupid decision, I, I it, with the fact all the facts have not been issued right now. The arrest warrants this just happened a few days ago, but now. Your life and everything you worked hard for is now potentially going down the drain. It's circling the drain and about to go down. Your family, you, I don't know if they have children. They, all that both of them seem like they're. They, I don't even think both of them are over twenty-five. And because of a stupid decision, your life and your family's life could be forever changed for the worse. You're in the league. You're making millions of dollars. Something you dreamed about and worked hard for your entire life. And now it's going to be gone. Because you want to be tough and you want to go get my stuff like back, back like OJ did. When he got taken, when they took from robbed of his uh, memorabilia. Yeah, OJ had to serve time for that. OJ was 70 years old when he finally, he was 70 plus years old when he got released from prison, I believe. So now you're going to have to do time for that probably. You're going to be state property. <laughs> one bad decision is just, you worked hard to get to the league, and because of one bad decision now, you're, you're, you're going to be state property. Your family is going to be embarrassed, and they're going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to have to probably do some serious time, fair time for this, because you want to decide to be tough and hard. <laughs> I'm just, just Stories like this that just gets on my nerve because, that's the last thing we need to see him as a black man seeing more brothers locked up for something stupid. We're already getting locked up for no reason. We're already getting stuff, crimes put on us for no reason. We're already being hunted in this country like we're prey. And for the fact that you get to you work hard and get to the NFL and provide and take care of your family, and because of one stupid decision, now all of that can be gone because you want to prove how hard and tough you are. Ain't nobody gonna get over on me. <sighs> I'm like you. I'll be waiting to see the facts come out, what will happen. But it's just some things, some bells, you you can't unring that bell once it's been rung. And this is one of them. And now everybody's going to look at you with suspicion and doubt every time your name is brought up. Did they do it? Will they do it again? It's just sad. It's really sad. Another issue I want to talk about, the NFL teams are expected to um, present present with draft picks if they hire minorities. And to me, there are only four minority head coaches in the league, and I believe two black general managers in the, out of 32 organizations, that is the NFL. The NFL football is my favorite sport. And the fact that we are in the year 2020, we still only have four minority head coaches and only two minority general managers. And now the league wants to compensate teams. And with you, the more minorities you hire, you'll get comp, you'll get better draft picks. Instead of them wanting to do the right thing and give and have it be an equal playing field, but you know what? I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked because these are yet to be. It's my the, the late great Maya Angelou used to say these are the yet to be United States. And yes, here it is, 2020. We are still dealing with the disease that is racism. 
in all facets, sports, our, our lives, work, everywhere you go. This disease, racism, has been around for centuries. This country was built on it. And NFL teams, <laughs> they will be compensated with better draft picks if they hire minorities. Not that you should want to do the right thing and give the qualified coaches that sh that are qualified, give them a shot to be coaches and general managers. But no, you got to compensate them. We 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you better draft picks if you do the right thing. Not that you should that you should do the right thing because of a because it's the right thing to do. And in my end, it's like the Rooney Rule is just a joke. It was just there, so people were like, "Look, we did it, but you knew you weren't gonna hire a black coach or general manager anyway. But we just did it so we can check it off the list." But like I said, in these yet to be United States. Racism comes in all forms, and in nothing that nothing surprises me when it comes to that. When it comes to racism and bigotry and hatred in this game, evilness in this country, man. And speaking of a racial racial situation, <laughs> a man who walked into a grocery store in California who wore a KKK hood won't face charges. And also a man who wore a KKK hood, KKK hood in a Colorado store still being searched by the police. So there you go. It's just complexion for their protection. It's just the man can walk in with a KKK hood. We all know what those hoods stand for. There's nothing. It's nothing good. There's nothing right. There's nothing pure about it. It's just evilness, hatred and, and just evil and hatred at the, at the, at the highest form. And we all know what those hoods stood for. Intimidation, it stood for fear, and it stood for wanting to torture, beat, and murder black people by the masses. Keep us in our place. So the fact that the man at Ward in California won't be facing charges, and the fact that the man Ward in Colorado, they're still looking for him, just goes to show you, just some people might not like what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. I heard great... The great comedian Paul Moody said it years ago, their complexion for their protection. And it's just the God honest truth. And also, I saw where the sister of Ahmaud Arbery's killer in Georgia, she posted pictures of his body on Instagram. Yeah. This is no, this is no more different than the, the lynchings that they used to have with black people and the amounts of white people that were sitting there smiling and laughing like they were at a family barbecue. That's no different. It's no different. Yeah, the pictures I'm there, if you check the history books and check online lynchings in this country, they would sit there and have a barbecue like it's a family gathering and a burning, battered, oftentimes raped, castrated body would be hanging there from the tree. And they would have their kids and all family members standing there smiling and laughing like it's a family, like it's a family barbecue. So this girl who posted this girl of the, of the killers posted this picture on Instagram. And because she's white and she's thinking that I have I'm a white woman in America and I can do what I want. Free white and 21. They, they've all <laughs> it's a saying that is so true, but it, it says everything. I'm free white and 21. The living's easy, daddy's rich, mama's good looking. And and, and they, they feel like they are free to get enough to get away with everything. George Zimmerman, all, all, all of them. And it's just situations like this that <laughs> as a black man in this country, I'm a married man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm My wife and I are expecting our first child in, a, in about two months. And it's just, 
I would thought that by year 2020, by the time that I was grown and married and getting ready to have a child of my own, by the time my daughter would come into this world, that things would be different. But I'm sadly, sadly mistaken, and it's not. And only God knows when things will be better as far as racism, because we can deal with all types of diseases and virus in this country, from COVID-19, from polio to AIDS. You can think about every disease and virus ever known to mankind, but there's one disease and one virus that has plagued this country for centuries, and it's called racism. That's the purest form of evil and hatred in this country that I've ever seen. And it's in the it's it's it's, it's in the very fabric of the flag that waves. It's in the it's 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 in the very soil that we walk upon because of the blood and bones of my ancestors who were murdered because of it. And it's still floating around to this very day. You see the evidence of it that's passed down from generation to generation. And so I'm just hoping and praying to God that when my daughter is born in the next few months and she grows up and she becomes a grown woman, hopefully by the time she's grown, things will be better. I'm hoping. But I said, hopefully when I became an adult, that things would be better. And here I am, 37 years old, and it hasn't gotten better. But... We press on and we'll get through it. Also, I wanted to say uh, rest in peace to Bob Watson. He's the first black general manager to win a World Series, I believe, with the Yankees or the World Sox, uh, uh, Red Sox in the early 2000s. I believe with the Red Sox, if I'm not mistaken. So um, he was a uh, great baseball player back in the day. First black general manager to uh, win a World Series. I believe he was um, 70 years old. So rest in peace to Bob Watson. And, um... Yeah, man, just some things, some heavy things that we're dealing with right now, man. So, but as always, just want to say we all come from different races, backgrounds, cultures, places, and statuses, but we are more alike than we are different. When we can see each other's human, find common ground and interest, and begin to pick each other's brain, dig into the core of each other respectfully and peacefully, only then can we begin to heal each other and truly bridge the gap between all of us. And by God's grace and mercy, hopefully some we will do that in due time, in his time. So another episode of The Bridge. Get out with Big Ron Brown, King Big Kush, Big King Kush is all the same. So hopefully you have a great Monday evening, the rest of, uh, rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. And um, I'll talk with you guys again the next time. Peace. <laughs>